Welcome to Culture Meets Crypto, a podcast that dives into the intersection of gaming, music, art, and crypto. Each week, Angela, Ali, and Evan speak with the global founders, CEOs, and thought leaders about many new online economies which are bubbling up in the metaverse. Our conversations will explore new business models with the leaders who are shaping this future. Great. Thank you so much. uh, And welcome to Culture Meets Crypto. This is the seventh episode. We're really excited to have Bennett Collin and Mark Shackleton. Our companies today represent a completely new area within NFTs, bridging physical objects um, with, uh, with NFTs. We call this fizzy digi, fidgetal, or as end state says, entangled, which we're going to get into later. Excited to talk about that. Um, so just by way of introduction, Smart Seal is a platform that links physical objects with NFTs using NFC technology, near field communications uh, chips, in order to authenticate them, record provenance, provide engagement data, and generally just keep this line of communication open between the manufacturer and the end consumer. So welcome Mark Shackleton, the CEO and uh, founder of Smart Seal. And then we have Endstate, who creates NFTs that are redeemable for a physical pair of sneakers um, as their first uh, use case, which uh, those sneakers are embedded with NFC chips that link them back to an NFT and allow them to create all sorts of token-gated experiences for their customers. And the kind of the way that Evan and I were, were thinking about this is imagine a pair of sneakers that continue to give new uh, new. Uh, experiences and gifts and and surprises and easter eggs along the way if you can experience if you can imagine that um so in in state also has an in-house design studio uh led by co-founder stephanie howard who has a very long history uh with nike new balance reebok and uh bennett collin is the ceo and co-founder who i recently met at the imagination and action event at mit so it's really great to see you bennett um so i would i would love to to kick it off to you guys with just a very very basic question of walking us through what this is for each of you Uh, I guess I'll go first. Oh, um, sorry. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll edit these big pauses out. By the way, yeah. But so, Mark, why don't we start with you and Smart Seal? Um, so what? So NFC um, is near field communication. Uh, NFT is non fungible tokens. Um, NFTs represent um, digital uh, immutable records of uh, ownership and um, authenticity and origination. Um, so what we do at SmartSeal is we link them together um, cryptographically. And by doing that, it really it extends the utility of these NFTs into the physical realm for things like proof of ownership, proof of um, authenticity, proof of possession, um, proof of certification. Um, and uh, there's a, a whole lot of interesting things that can be built on top of that. Great. Can you show us a demo? Sure. Um, so. What I've got here, I've got a smart seal hoodie. For those of you who are listening, I'll explain it. Uh, there's a chip in the in the hoodie in the logo. So um, most of the most people have used um, NFC technology for like Apple Pay or Android Pay. Um, it's the same thing. You turn your phone on and just tap it on the product like you would at a, um, at a point of sale. 
Um, what this does is it opens up the browser, it launches um, the manufacturer's website and shows uh, the proof of authentication and, and proof of ownership um, right on the screen. There's traceability on there so you can trace that down to the on the blockchain level. Um, most consumers um, you know probably won't do that, but it's there if it's um, if you need to do it. Great. Um, we've also um, coupled these with um, custodial wallets. So these types of products can be sold at um, through like brick and mortar stores or conventional sales online sales channels um, without the need to get um, you know crypto involved. So these can be sold for things like US dollars. Um, when you bring home the hoodie, you can choose to redeem the NFT into your wallet or you can leave it on the custodial wallet and put that on your shelf and deal with that later. So there's a, a lot of um, options there and um, this is really a, a pathway forward for mass market adoption. Great, I can say firsthand <clears throat> that I ordered a round 21 physical football with, wrapped with Patrick Mahomes digital art and uh, it included your chip, which was really exciting. So um, Bennett, over to you. Thanks Angie. So Endstate is a brand at the intersection of physical objects and NFTs, starting with sneakers, which are really fun product category. They're very culturally relevant. They have sort of, um, you know, cult followings within certain sneaker brands, sneaker collaborations, or just liking all manner of sneakers and, and having a big collection. There's this really, um, you know, cultural element to it. And so for Endstate, what that translates into is creating signature sneakers for collaborators that we're working with, whether they're athletes, artists, musicians, other brands, and operating at the intersection of physical, digital, and experiential. So that means we're making high quality sneakers, right? So we're actually manufacturing sneakers that are delivered to customers. On the digital side, each sneaker comes tied one-to-one -one with an NFT. So that means that you have a digital certificate of authenticity, um, but also you have utility and that the NFT can be used to contain a file that has a digital version of the sneaker that you can wear in certain online environments, um, starting with open, you know, decentralized metaverse environments that use blockchain to have understanding of who owns which assets. That's sort of the low hanging fruit that's easiest to get the digital sneakers into, but we hope that it expands to anywhere that people can wear digital sneakers or digital apparel. Um, so that's physical and digital. And then on the experiential side, through the NFT, we can have these token gated experiences for people who are purchasing the, um, the NFT slash sneaker. And what that means is that we can create exclusive digital experiences like um, you know, a private Zoom call for people who bought the NFT and want to speak to the collaborator and ask them questions. Or, you know, I'm sure everyone who's bought an NFT is familiar with token-gated Discord servers, right, where you get into a special channel that's only for the holders of a particular NFT. But what we're really excited is where this moves into the real world, right? So because we have a physical object that has a chip embedded into it, you know, to, to Mark's point, right, you can really have these interesting interactions between the owner of the product and the original creator of it. And so the way that that embodies itself in end state is we have these token gated experiences that facilitate real world events, whether it's, you know, 
a token gated tailgate at a football game or a token gated um, event where you get to meet the collaborator who we worked with to design the sneaker, whether that's, again, your favorite athlete or artist or musician, um, or even taking that one step further, you know, creating geofence experiences where, you know, you have a, your NFT or your sneaker in a particular location. Um, and then that triggers a unique AR experience or um, some other pop-up that, you know, isn't possible or wasn't possible before you had this really tight tether between the physical and the digital. So we're really excited about all of the exciting customer engagement opportunities that that opens up. Great. Kevin, I don't want to cut you off. Go ahead. Oh, I, I wasn't sure if you were going to ask another question. Um, so something I'd really like to know is, uh, so with NFTs, we've basically only seen digital digital NFTs all year. We haven't seen any real utility or real connection to the outside world. Um, so a lot of people still think of NFTs as scams or overpriced, right-click savable JPEGs. Um, so why would legitimate companies want to pair physical items with NFTs? And how? what have you guys noticed in the space of talking to people uh, in the physical only space who are thinking about NFTs and just their opinions of that mm -hmm. link? Well, I think that um, there's a lot of misunderstanding around NFTs, um, that the, the market's going to have to um, relearn some things um, if you're going to use the NFT acronym. Um, a lot of people think NFTs are pictures, um, and NFT is actually just the certificate of ownership and, um, and uh, origination um, that lives on the blockchain that points to a picture or something else. Um, in our case, it's pointing to something to something physical. Um, the good news is that you can't right-click something physical. Uh, you can't copy that in the way that you could copy something digital. Um, but I guess on a on a, a a higher level to answer your question, you know, why would they? Why would a company want to use this? Um, it's very useful um, for things like pr trustless proofs. It's useful for interoperability, um, security, uh, like assurance. Um, and end user assurances. So you're not relying on a centralized database to, to know that this asset is unique or, or that this asset is authentic. Um, you know, you can, it's a, it's a fully trustless system. Um, it can work with multiple, um, it's not just like held within the brand that that, that token can work on. Anyone can build a, a, a community around that token. Um, and, and, and lastly, I wanted to say, um, you know, we, we see two different types of clients that come to us. Some of them um, are looking to do something that's like specifically showcased around NFTs. Um, and in their advertisers using the NFTs say like, this is a, a product that we've had, that we've created, and now we're adding NFTs to it. Um, and there's a different marketing tack. The second group is, what is, is clients that come to us and say, um, we really like the, the um, trustless provenance um, and the protections that this brings for the end user. But we really don't want to um, be advertising that this is an NFT. So can you abstract it away? Um, and we see that that as a, a path, more of a path to mass market adoption. Whereas like the NFT um, marketing angle is for the NFT crowd, which is probably less than a million collectors, you know, and worldwide. So it's a much smaller market, um, but it is a very hot one. So there's a, you know, there's just very two different um, angles on that. 
can I just ask a follow-up to that? Um, and sure. then I'd love to hear your response to this also, Bennett, but um, on, um, so these other, you know, use cases outside of the, the NFT crowd, I could even picture kind of, you know, I guess traditional, I was gonna say boring, but traditional companies that sell physical things that they just want to make sure, um, you know, people know, you know, provenance of ownership on. Is Are you seeing that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah. Bennett, love your, love your response to this because we do have, you know, Evan and I have fielded this question of, you know, often because we're in the gaming space and we deal with, you know, mass market gamers all the time who say, oh, you know, this NFT thing is just a money grab anyway. And we see massive opportunity for it, but it's just getting from here to there. So wondering kind of how you're navigating that. Yeah, it's almost like NFTs need a rebrand, right? I mean, at, at the end of the day, an NFT is essentially a file format, right? It's like a, a standardized way of presenting data. It's a container of data that exists on a blockchain. So saying I hate NFTs or all NFTs are scams or saying like, I hate PDFs, right? Like you hate a file format, but they, they don't hate PDFs. They hate, you know, sort of the embodiment or the content of a particular group of PDFs that gained a lot of traction and attention. Um, so if you say, Hey, I'm giving you this product that allows you to guarantee authenticity and allows you to interact with the brand that made it and allows you to sort of build a community around it and has all these perks associated with it. I think people would be all over it, but now, you know, you're sort of fighting an uphill battle against what the mainstream has come to understand NFTs to be. So I think that that's a, you know, a conversation that will will play out over the next few years as people start to understand that it's more than just profile pictures um, of you know anthropomorphic animals that you know have you know all their their own little catch that that makes them you know um, attractive to the the collectors who who want to buy and participate in those projects. I think you know it will take a few years probably to get on the other side of that perception, but. You know, yeah. the good news is that in a bear market, everyone is in it for the tech. So I think a lot of the actual benefits for the tech will start to come to light as this bear market, you know, continues on for the next however many months. And then can you also just dig into the NFC part of this? Because you just made me think when you said NFTs need a rebrand, it, you both have landed on NFC, near field communications. Are there alternatives and, and or, or why did you land there? It's a great question. We considered QR codes. I mean, that is a form factor that almost everyone is familiar with at this point. I think they really got huge penetration during the pandemic as people were scanning touchless menus and you know everything was touchless and QR codes. If you weren't already familiar with them, you sort of had to become familiar with them over the past two, two or three years. But where they fall flat is that, um, at least for us, if we wanted to have a unique signature associated with each individual um, item or each individual sneaker that we're producing, that would require a separate QR code. And so you can obviously program sort of some secondary experience, but for us, it was really attractive to embed NFC chips that can be put indiscriminately into our products and then be able to program them after the fact as opposed to having to have QR codes that are produced and the, you know, the URL, the destination URL has to be programmed ahead of time. And then for us, 
the manufacturer would have to physically match, you know, the QR code to a particular order. Um, and so sort of the point at time point in time at which a particular product is matched to the corresponding scan didn't really work for our model, whereas NFCs are much more flexible in that they're programmable. Um, and, you know, just from a visceral level, I think it's much more satisfying to tap your phone to something and have it come up than to open up your camera, scan it, and then, you know, and then click the link. Mm -hmm. yep, that's exactly what we're seeing. Um, you know, the, the problem with the QR code is that it can be copied. Um, so it's a, it's a static um, asset. And in fact, a lot of NFC um, tags are static as well. Um, so it, saying something is, is NFC linked doesn't necessarily mean um, that it's, that it's, uh, that it's, that it's like properly done. Um, dynamic NFC tags are, um, the way that works is that they, they provide a new code every time you scan it. Um, so if you try and reuse an old one, if you try and copy it, it's just not going to work. Um, those digital signatures allow you to uh, verify um, the, the one-to-one -one coupling um, on, on the chain. So you need to really have this dynamic um, chip to do that. And so there's a couple different ways to do that. One is to have uh, just a, a chip that runs on a battery. Um, but the problem with that is it's not, that's not really um, very useful to put into things that are going to go through the wash or things you want to last forever. You don't want to have to be changing batteries and things like that. So an NFC chip is passive. Um, and in terms of like, it doesn't have a battery, it, it, it's powered by the waves coming from your cell phone. So they're really durable, they're really thin, flexible, and the computing power that has gone into these NFC chips um, has just like increased significantly in the past few years. So this is a really amazing time to be in actually both spaces, especially together, um, because there's so much you can do with these NFC tags now. It's really incredible because this is, we're going to get to the exciting consumer experience fun part of the discussion next. And uh, Evan, I know has a lot of questions on that, but I definitely want to ask you both. Um, how did, given this is completely new white space, and it's almost like, I keep thinking of this as, as almost like just a brand new TAM. I and mean, my history is all in, you know, gaming and media. And it feels like a brand new TAM for brands to go after a brand new, you know, Tam for anyone who sells a physical product. I mean, it's just so massive. It's hard to get, it's hard to get our heads around. What about each of your particular backgrounds um, made you suited to get into this or not even suited, but attracted uh, you to this, to this new exciting space? So I have a background actually in IP protection and anti-counterfeiting and that my first company was a business called Cognate, which used blockchain to help businesses protect their trademark rights. So we were at the very beginning, okay. simply timestamping documents and hashing them into the blockchain so that people could have a record of their intellectual property rights, which would help them enforce their rights if they were ever sued or you know needed to present um, proof of their, their trademark use. Um, and as we understood blockchain more and as the use cases evolved in you know sort of 2016 2017 we started seeing opportunities to put trademarks on the blockchain as bespoke assets really nfts before erc 721 was um, adopted and the idea was to create a, a liquid secondary market for intellectual property which i still think is a great idea and should exist on a blockchain but i've always been fascinated by the fact that you can have the trustless record 
of information and documents that can streamline so many processes that right now require separate institutions to serve as the layer of trust, right? So disputes, transactions can't really be handled peer to peer because there needs to be a trusted institution that sits in the middle and blockchain brings the ability to have peer to peer trusted transactions through the cryptography and the verified nature of the information that goes in there. So I came at it from sort of this authentication um, and security standpoint, but then layering in to your point, the consumer experiences just makes it that much more exciting and approachable and it will help people see the benefit right away. And as people start to have these exciting consumer experiences, then they'll start to understand how the tech behind it works and why those consumer experiences are possible and how the, the underlying technology makes it so that you can have these experiences in a way that wasn't possible before the underlying tech, meaning blockchain and all the primitives that have been built on top of it before those came into, mm. into yeah, I think of your I think of uh, your product, the sneakers, is almost a demo for what could happen across a lot of different products. Um, and it's interesting that you were into this. You 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 were you were looking into this as an application before ERC seven twenty one standard was even finalized. So that's that's really interesting. Mark, what about you? Um, so my uh, background, I spent uh, sixteen years in the aerospace industry. Um, and in the aerospace industry, there's, there are a lot of counterfeits. So that was always something that we were, um, you know, aware of and on the lookout for. Uh, but personally, my background, um, I, I studied um, mathematics and cryptography. Um, and I've been into cryptography for like 15 years just as a, as a hobby, but also electronics and radio. Um, so I've just been tinkering and hacking and building um, you know, and and ha always had a like a, a shack putting putting things together and um, like learning new technologies. So, you know, when when blockchain came out, I was really into cryptography at the time. It made a lot of sense to me, um, and I, you know, so I I just kept kept up with it and kept following along and 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 seeing. You know, I got really excited when Ethereum came out. I was like, yes, this makes a lot of sense. You can actually do something powerful with this. You can you can run programs you know, distributed programs. And, um, and uh, you know, at the same time, I was also tinkering with NFC technology and seeing where that was coming along. And there was an aha moment where it just kind of clicked. And I'm like, these two belong together. Um, and, I, and I was working with uh, my co-founder, Chizzy at the time, who was really into marketing. So between the authentication component and the cryptography and then his marketing, um, you know, passions, we, we got really excited and we're like, let's do this. Let's, let's launch this business and, and, and make it a thing. Let's build it. That's cool. Great. Well, let's get into the consumer experiences, the fun part. Yeah. So <clears throat> NFTs linked with NFTs really open a lot of opportunities for both consumers and also uh, the producers. Um, so what are some of those opportunities that you're both excited about how they can, how they can give people new access through through physical uh, and digital counterparts? I'm really excited about um, like what this, you know, this, this technology can kind of be seen as a platform and what you can build on top of it is, is um, pretty, pretty broad. Um, some of the things that I like to um, think about are like the ability to, for, um, 
uh, manufacturers to take control of their resale. Um, so being able to um, create systems where they are they're taking royalties on resales or they're facilitating resales um, you know, with this because they can prove that you're in possession of it, they can prove that it's authentic um, and they can prove that you're the owner of it. So they can very easily just say, hey, this, these are all the things we need for you to just list this thing and for someone else to buy it through our system. And I think that that cuts out a lot of the, the middlemen right now that are kind of taking advantage of the resale market. Um, they, uh, you know, I think it's like 10% of counterfeits that get go through StockX and real real don't get picked up. Um, and, uh, and there's, they spend a huge amount of, they spend a huge amount of, um, money and effort, uh, trying to root out these counterfeits. Um, so I think this is, this really solves that problem. And I can't wait to see, um, you know, where that particular vertical takes off. I think that's, that's a huge, a huge thing. Mm -hmm. How would that, can I just ask how that would work? So just think about, you know, a widget that mm -hmm. someone goes to eBay to buy on the used market, what would happen now? The manufacturer would be eBay themselves, or would you still go to eBay, but you could find the, the, the one that has the certificate of authority or? Well, it, would, it would either, instead of going to eBay, you would go to the, you say, all right, so say I have a widget and I'm tired of my widget and I want to sell it. Well, instead of going to eBay, um, I just go to the manufacturer and I, I scan the widget and I say, okay, I want to list this for sale. So just by scanning the widget, I can prove that I'm the owner, that I'm in possession, that it's authentic. And now the, the manufacturer knows that that's true as well. So they can accept that as a valid listing. Um, and now someone can come to that site and see, hey, that there's, there's one of these used things and it's, um, the, you know, the manufacturer trusts it. So I want to buy it. Now the manufacturer sends me a shipping label um, and I can basically just send it right to the, the end user. So you're eliminating, you're, you're participating in the secondary market of your own products. So you can take a cut of that and you're also eliminating, eliminating the necessity for things like warehouses and things like that. All you have to do is program is send out the shipping labels or email the shipping labels. So I think there's, mm -hmm. there's a lot of, um, that, that's something that is yet to be explored that we're you know really yeah. excited to see. Yeah, that will be really interesting because there'll be a lot of discussion and debate, I'm sure, about, you know, are we competing with ourselves and we're offering mm -hmm. the secondary product and you know, could we cannibalize all of that stuff, but also we're completely reducing to zero the counterfeits that are out there. So that could right. be absolutely massive for sure. Right. And and on a and you can also instead of products just getting thrown away, you know, if you make it really easy. For people to resell them, then it's just a lot less waste. And I think that's a huge thing too. And there's always that that digital counterpart left. So even once the physical product expires, you can still continue to do things with that digital counterpart or use that's it correct. for future drops. Yeah. Um, and, and honestly, I think that it's, you know, there, there's so much value that can be added into the experiential side of this. And, and I see products that are, you know, maybe it's a hundred dollars for your widget, but the amount of value that you get over the lifetime of that widget, the experiential value might, might far exceed the initial value that you ever paid for that. So if it's a, like in Bennett's case, a pair of shoes, you know, um, you buy the pair of shoes, but over the lifetime of those shoes, the, the, um, 
you know the exclusive offers that you get in the and the exclusive community access and the tailgate parties you know that that could be worth way more than the shoe ever was and, and i think that's a very exciting um mm-hmm. value add and prospect for for any company that's selling physical assets yeah we were we were excited to have both of you on culture meets crypto because it feels like there's a there's a food chain developing and mark mm-hmm. you're kind of at this end of it near the manufacturers um uh and as we get closer and closer to the consumer, we're getting closer to all of these new content um, production, uh, you know, opportunities. Bennett, you're closer to that and you're producing a lot of this content. You're producing, I mean, the shoe almost is is the content in a way, but then obviously there are a lot of content offshoots. Can you just talk about that? What that looks like? Happy to. Um, one quick question, when is this gonna air? Um, when, I mean, we can, we can do it based on what, whatever, you know, guidance you guys give. Yeah. So I, I want to talk about what we're doing for the Devante Smith sneaker, but we haven't announced it yet. We're going to be announcing it oh. over like next week or so. So, okay. Yeah. This would be actually, we're, we're two weeks behind. So, I mean, not behind, but two weeks in advance right now. So this would be, uh, in two weeks. Okay, great. So that should be fine then. Yeah. Or like a week from Friday. Would that be? Oh, wait, no, uh, hang on a second. Uh, no, no, the 23rd. That should be fine. Okay, great. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, so we're, we're really excited about the experiential side. And to Mark's point, I think that we can start to see a future where the downstream experiences are just as valuable or exciting to customers as the initial product itself. So one of the things that we're doing with one of our partners who's Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver, Devontae Smith. He's designing a signature sneaker with us, which is really cool and exciting in and of itself because traditionally, you know, a tiny fraction of professional athletes get their signature sneaker, their own signature sneaker. Um, So Devontae has gotten, you know, full creative control over the sneaker that he's putting out there for his fans. But because we have the NFT and the NFC chip embedded in the physical sneaker that you know, it's connected one-to-one to the NFT, we're able to create these really unique experiences. So one thing we're doing on the physical side is creating or, or having a, a watch party for owners of the NFT at a bar near Lincoln Financial Field for one of the games this season. And instead wow. of to connect your wallet to, you know, a website and then, you know, sign a transaction to verify that you own the NFT, all you have to do is scan your sneaker that you're wearing to the event anyway, and you get to come in to the event and eat and drink for free and, you know, have a great time and connect with other people who are Eagles and Devante Smith fans. The next one we're doing is an event um, at a sneaker store in Philly when the physical sneakers arrive that Devante will be at, right? So anyone can come to the event, wow. the event, the, you know, the part of the event that Devante will be participating in will be token gated. So if you're wearing a sneaker, again, all you got to do is tap the sneaker and let people behind the velvet rope and come in and meet Devante. Mm-hmm. So that's great on the physical side. And then on the digital side, we're doing something really fun, which at least I think it's really fun in that we're tying some of the token gated experiences to Devante's on-field performance. So one example is if Devante achieves something within one of the games, um, we're going to airdrop a cheesesteak to all of his NFT holders, right? So we're going <laughs> to give a gift certificate for a cheesesteak um, for people to get, you know, delivered to their house if Devante does this thing on field, which I which I won't, you know, say specifically what it is yet, but 
it's, I think, such a fun experience that I'm watching an Eagles game. I'm already rooting for the Eagles. I'm already rooting for Devontae. He has an incredible game. And all of a sudden, I have this cheesesteak that I'm able to eat and enjoy. And, you know, obviously being Philly, there was a, a natural connection there. But that type of connection between the brand, like, you know, we sold you this sneaker however long ago. And then Devontae does this weeks, months later, you know, still being able to connect with the fans on that level through the NFC, uh, through the NFT and the NFC chip just creates a whole new world of opportunities that even if they could have been done before without NFTs and without NFC chips, the whole thing is just so much more seamless. It's more secure. Um, and it, it is a way better experience for the customers, um, than, you know, would have been possible before these tools were in place that allow us to connect directly with the fans and create these experiences. This is so cool. I am so excited about this because I just, my brain is going a thousand miles an hour because I'm thinking about the the sneakers or the platform that they're, they're the flywheel. There's, there's like the chili uh, or the Philly cheesesteaks that are being sold that weren't being sold. Your sneakers are, are your, that's your own brand of sneaker. It's not like you're marketing Nike or something else that's people are going to be buying your sneakers. And then also you're creating a physical discord experience almost. I, that to me, so one of our big themes at Signum is the distance between creators and fans shrinking. And this idea that um, Micah Johnson put in our head, which is that, you know, the NFT artist, it's just that um, in his discord and we, also our big, uh, we're very positive on, on the long-term prospects of Discord as well. Uh, and it's an investment of ours, but we um, we are really excited about this idea of cutting out the advertising intermediary of Instagram and, and Twitter and all these places, as, as Micah said, which have bots and all of these, you know, other kind of inauthentic, um, you know, kind of just conflicts of interest really between the creators and the consumers and what you're talking about is not only like we have, we can get our heads around the discord experience of creators and fans all being in the same place but you're talking about physical new physical experiences where that's very cool where where where, where everybody's together i just love i love this concept yeah it makes it more tangible especially for the NFT skeptics that we talked about earlier in the show, you know, what am I getting for this? I have this image that sits in a wallet and sometimes I can look at it in a digital gallery. It's a big leap for people to make right now, bringing it yep. to real physical, tangible products and experiences really closes the gap and people say, okay, this is what I'm getting. That's cool. I can get excited about that. Yeah. And community building is just so um, incredibly important. So you're tapping into um, these communities of interest, which are again, authentic. And that's where $160 billion is spent on advertising every year. It's being, we always say it's thrown through TV sets into empty living rooms because people really, nobody's there anymore. Right. Whereas like in this, what you've just described, a brand can easily get their head around this. You're not explaining any technology. You're just saying, Hey, would you like to be where engagement is happening? And would you like us to help you build your community? There's, I, I'm very excited about the power of this, um, of that experience. Could we talk a little bit about how someone might, or specifically with, with Endstate, how someone buys the sneaker? Like they buy the NFT first, correct? And then they're able to redeem it later on. Um, yeah. So 
what's the what's that process like for the consumer before they get to enjoy all the all the benefits of holding it holding it and owning it yeah so they they do buy the nft first um which to mark's earlier point is great from an efficiency standpoint because we're not creating huge excess inventory runs and you know creating sizes that no one ends up buying we're only making the sizes and the quantity ordered through the nft process right so um, we really like that angle for it from an environmental perspective from um, uh, an agility perspective it allows us to move really quickly and be really targeted and who we're partnering with um, so the nft allows us to have a, a mechanism to sort of go through that process early and then of course we know exactly who the customers are and there's no way to sort of spoof who gets to redeem the physical pair later on down the road because you have to have the nft in order to redeem the physical pair the other thing that we're doing that's interesting is not assigning the physical size of the sneaker at the time the nft is sold so if there is interest in some you know secondary market activity between the time that the nft is sold and you're actually redeeming the physical sneaker I don't have to buy a size 11 NFT. I buy any NFT in the collection. And then when it comes time to redeem it, I can tell, you know, you tell end state your physical size. Wow. And how are Pete, how are, how is the guy who's going to the Phillies game buying the NFT? If you, unless, if it's, if that person is not crypto native. Yeah. So we actually accept credit cards and, and fiat payments through um, okay. an infrastructure provider that we're using. And they actually also spin up wallets um, for people who don't already have them. Got it. And I mentioned the the TV, um, you know, 160 billion and TV brand dollars getting thrown, thrown into empty living rooms. Are you guys seeing any um, content, like, you know, kind of traditional content creation opportunities around this? We have a, a decent amount of content that we're creating with Devante himself, um, uh, you know, obviously around the sneaker creation process and, you know, why he chose to go with end state versus, you know, other companies and why, you know, this is an exciting opportunity for, for him and his fans. Um, but, you know, a traditional, whatever, 30 second TV ad spot, probably not. I mean, for, from our perspective, no one has a better connection with Devante's fans than Devante himself. Right. So him posting the video that we put together directly on his Instagram or on his Twitter, we think is more compelling than going out and buying, you know, some sort of third party media to, to promote that that video. And the video itself is incredible. It's definitely, you know, TV worthy. Right. We use this incredible production company that does music videos for Pusha T and ASAP Mob and a lot of really, you know, well-known artists. Um, and the video came out great. But to us, the channel is, you know, Devante directly to his fans and nowhere else. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking more along the lines of the video you mentioned, you know, short form content, um, you know, kind of like short form or maybe a shorter version of a Netflix series, for example, that comes off of these products. You could see, um, I don't know, like characters and, 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 new series coming off of, of, of characters. Yeah. I, for us, we, you know, we are working with, you know, people and, and brands. So it's not, I feel like that would be more for like 
a PFP project, right? Where they have characters that are mm-hmm. you know, like the board apes or whatever, and people option their board ape into, you know, to be made into a TV series or something. That's not mm-hmm. something that we have seen a direct line to so far, but who knows what mm-hmm. you might hold for that. Yeah. Mark, are you seeing that with any um, physical products you're working with? Um, sorry, could you say the question again? Are, are you seeing any short form content production opportunities with, with, you know, physical items? I was just, I was thinking of characters, but then I went yeah. to, you know, I don't know, toys. There's, there's a lot of things where you could see short form content production opportunities yes. that might unlock. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so we have, our platform allows the, um, the manufacturer to push like fresh, fresh content um, to, to as part of the experience. So you can, when you scan the, the tag, you know, you can get new media um, coming into you. So one of the projects we're doing is a, is a toy. And um, this toy is, isn't just a toy that sits on your shelf. It's something that, you know, we're encouraging kids to pick up and scan uh, because every day there's like, it's a, it's a unicorn toy. So every day there's like new unicorn jokes that you get from this. So, um, so in that respect, there, there's a lot of content. In fact, in order to make this kind of technology work, you almost need to be producing a lot of content. So if you want to have your consumers keep coming back and picking up the product and interacting with the brand, keeping that content fresh is, is pretty critical. Um, and, and it's actually beneficial for the brand because some of the data that gets collected on the, um, on the tag scans goes back to, uh, goes back to the manufacturer. So being able to keep your consumers, your, your um, customers engaged, um, with this, with this steady, constant stream of content, um, is good post-sale consumer data that you get back. Um, so as long as you can keep that cycle going, it's going to be very, it's very beneficial for the brand. Evan, I was just thinking about um, uh, Art Blocks. So we had Jeff Davis, the chief creative officer on the show a few weeks ago, and he mentioned um, the Art Blocks. Actually, he didn't mention it because it came out after. But he we, mentioned it. He mentioned it? Okay. Yeah. And you and I talked about it, this idea of you know algorithmically generated uh, art that is that is uh, or content that is actually um, specific to you to to the end mm-hmm. consumer. You could see, I could see maybe something there with the content where maybe the jokes are specific to you, or maybe the content coming out of the sneakers is is uh, specific to a team or that you oh, care absolutely. about. And one of the interesting things is you can you can do things like take a peek into the wallet of the of the user that has that particular sneaker or item and. And you can see what other NFTs they have, and you can say, "Oh, well, maybe I'll do some branding that's like more specific to this to this person," um, you know, because based on what they are already into, you know. Mm-hmm. So this is a, a very new kind of marketing. You know, speaking of wallets, uh, I'd love to hear what you both have to say about if if someone's wallet were to get hacked and they lose the NFT mm-hmm. counterpart to their physical uh, sneaker, physical product, uh, what does that what happens to their to their product? Is it no longer authentic? Is the is the company able to issue a new NFT that basically says like they lost their first NFT? This is the the legit one from the company. Like, what's that? What does that look like for both the consumer and the producer? 
Um, so we've, we've talked about that. Um, I think that there's, there's a technical trade-off here. Um, maybe even a philosophical trade-off. So you can, if you want security, you know, through and through, if someone steals your NFT, they steal your NFT, it's stolen, right? Um, but that means that, that no one, you know, at the company can be like saying, oh, well, I'm going to take the NFT from this guy and give to this guy at some point. Um, so it depends on how the like, smart contract is set up. Um, so you mm -hmm. can set it up either way. Um, and it's really up to the company how they want to set that up. Now, I think in, even in like Solana, there's, uh, you know, plotback capabilities and, and things like that that are built in. Um, you know, Wax blockchain has some, some of that um, ability as well. Uh, and I think that uh, it's, um, it really is up to the, the project, how they want to do it. Certainly, like if you're tokenizing a very valuable piece of artwork, you don't want anybody in the world to be able to like take that NFT from you, even if it's, even if it is like, you know, Chrissy's auction house that's, that's, you know, setting that up. You don't want someone being able to take that from you. But if you do that, then you certainly better, you better hold on to it and be, you better protect it yourself. Um, I think that the best way to do this, the best, the best option here is things like multi-sig wallets, which, you know, that, that's, that's a safe way to, to hold on to something very valuable. Um, and, and the other thing is, you know, um, the, the other part of it is like, if you lose the physical asset, you know, what does that look like? Uh, that's a much, it's a much easier, um, thing to handle because the, the person who owns the NFT can flag it, can flag that asset as lost or stolen. So anyone who scans that is like, it's going to pop up on their phone and say, this asset is lost or stolen. This is the owner. You can't resell this. No pawn shop's going to take it. You're not going to be able to resell it. Um, it's going to be totally worthless um, until it get, comes back into the hands of the person who rightfully owns it, according to the NFT. Um, so yeah, there, there's, there's a lot here to unpack. Um, so I, I, I really think it's, it depends on the, on the project. It depends on the manufacturer or the artist, how they want to do it. Hmm. You know, I, I really want to, I wanted to go back to, um, to Bennett and this, this concept uh, that you just described, which is very exciting around giving a creator the tools to have this one-to-one -one connection with uh, his or her fan, fan base, or, you know, collectors or community. Um, you're just, you're, you're almost putting, you're putting so much power into the hands of creators, which, you know, is also a big theme. And we've looked at it from the gaming perspective and these metaverse worlds that are being created in video games. We, we always say video games are the Trojan horse to the metaverse because these people, these are people that have been buying, selling, trading digital assets for decades, and they've been creating highly intensive graphical images, <laughs> you know, for decades. Um, and, and it's interesting too, because we've always felt that the metaverse is not some dystopian place, but a place where, um, you know, you have this kind of online experience, which feels real because it is real. And Zoom is a great example of that. You know, it's not dystopian at all. It's just, we all feel, we, we, we forget that we haven't met in person because we can hear each other, see each other, et cetera. Um, do you, would you consider these physical experiences that you're giving creators or these tools that you're giving creators almost like physical metaverse experiences if that even exists <laughs> do you know what i mean this feels a lot like what i would create if i created my own game 
within Fortnite and have invited my friends to come play it. Yeah, I, I really like that analogy because there is, the play is at the center of it, right? It's sort of like designing your own interaction with your fans and with your community. And I think that's what's so exciting about NFTs and a lot of, you know, Web3 based technologies is eliminating the, you know, the middleman in a lot of these interactions. Um, and it allows, you know, our collaborators to engage with their fans on their own terms, right? Maybe they could do one or, you know, a few of these different aspects that we're bringing under one umbrella separately in, you know, through traditional non-Web3 tooling. But like we talked about earlier, having it all under one umbrella and one seamless product experience is, is really exciting. So, you know, having the athlete be able to decide what, you know, how many pairs they want to make, what they want the design to look like, um, you know, what, you know, to some extent, what price point they want to be at, right? All of those decisions, um, you know, they would never be able to make with a traditional company, um, you know, on that one vertical alone, but then saying, okay, I also want you to give everyone who buys this sneaker a cheesesteak if I, you know, whatever, you know, have a hundred yard receiving game or, you know, have a 40 yard play or whatever the milestone is, it just would never happen, right? So, there's the menu of options of how to engage the fans are so much bigger. And then because they can own the relationship directly, um, you know, just much more personal to these creators, athletes, artists, whoever, who have these big fan bases, it's a much more personal relationship with the fans and with the people in their community than was possible before. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think coming into this call, I thought, end state is using sneakers now as a kind of a vessel to get to, this engagement and 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 uh, unlocking of surprise and delight moments, um, and building a brand around a new a new sneaker, which is exciting. And I was kind of thinking, oh, the next is going to become coming come. You know, there are going to be other products that come after that. Is that the case, or is it the case that the sneaker will be the vessel, and then all of these other products will come out of like the sneaker as the platform? It's a great question. It's a little bit of both. Um, okay. So, you know, there will be new experiences that get built on top of existing products um, and, you know, new digital and physical experiences that you get by ownership of both the physical and digital product. But we also are expanding into other physical products because, you know, sneakers might not always be the best fit for the fans of a given collaborator or might not be practical or, um, you know, for the use case that we want to, um, that we want to spell out, whether it's digital or physical. So we're definitely exploring other form factors, but we'll certainly continue to create experiences around the existing products that we have out there as well. Great. So sneakers are just the first step in all Perfect. of this. <laughs> Great. Okay, well, we really appreciate your time. And uh, this is very, very exciting. Thank you both so much for coming. Um, any last words from both of you? I'll, I'll turn it over to you. Bennett? Uh, check us out, nstate.io. It has all of the drops that we've done so far. Um, we've got a lot of exciting stuff coming up in the next few weeks and months um, for different collaborators that we're working with. Um, if anyone's interested in learning more about it, feel free to um, hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Trademark Saint, which I uh, <laughs> I picked when I was still running Cognate when that was more relevant, but uh, mm -hmm. I, I kept it. I like um, it. Happy to answer any questions there. 
So check us out, uh, smartseal.io. Um, Twitter is at smart underscore seal. Um, and uh, yeah, we hope to see you at conferences coming up. And uh, I'm always uh, open to uh, giving talks and, uh, and, and doing, doing meetings. So. I think we should jump on a Twitter spaces one day. I would Absolutely. love to get a lot more involved in this conversation. This has been so much fun. Thank you both so much. Thank Nevin, you, Andy. Thank you. Thanks so much thank for having you. us. Yeah. Evan, what a great first of many conversations about the Fizzy Digi space. The space is moving so quickly. And we got to hear really kind of two perspectives along the food chain. So we had Smart Seal, which is closer to the manufacturers and acting more like a picks and shovels tool for any kind of manufacturer that wants to enable their physical products with these you know, digital certificates of authenticity, um, proof provenance. And then we had end state at the other end of the uh, food chain, creating content and providing almost a digital line of communication from the physical item to the fans and their communities. Yeah, that's what was really exciting for me to hear about, just how NFTs can enhance that customer experience. Because uh, it used to be that, you know, you buy a sneaker online or you go into a store and maybe there's a meet and greet with that celebrity who endorsed the shoe. Uh, mm -hmm. But Endstate is using NFTs to create multiple points of engagement. So with their Devante Smith collaboration, it becomes more than just a signature sneaker. Yeah, that was such an exciting announcement. And the stuff they do with it is exciting too. I mean, the sneaker becomes an access yep. pass to special events. It's a tail to a tailgate party, a meet and greet. You could win a cheesesteak if you own the sneaker. Uh, mm -hmm. So the celebrity and their fans have this direct link. And around that link, there's also all those other factors of, of who's involved in creating that experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree, Evan. This is a great example of a theme that we talk a lot about, which is this shrinking distance between creators of content and their fans. We can't leave without mentioning the fact that we spent a lot of time after the show discussing a big question about how Fizzy Digi will evolve with respect to user data. So we're always talking about digital advertising as a human conflict of interest really between content creators and content consumers. So we couldn't help but wonder, is there a risk that uh, platforms like these uh, could end up looking like the social media platforms because they start optimizing for digital advertising dollars using cookie matching, et cetera. Um, I don't think either of these are going down that path or have any intention to, but um, it is a concern that we could see others pop up that just really are old social media platforms and different wrappers. So this is gonna be a topic that we really dig into, especially on the back of the Roblox announcement last week. So stay tuned, definitely join us next time on Culture Meets Crypto. And again, Evan, thank you so much for being a great co-host.